Hey, Hockey Moms, check out BlueLineHockeyClub.com for all the past and future podcasts. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by... Summer is certainly in full swing. The guys at Blue Line Hockey Club Podcast only grill their favorite summer feasts with HockeyHandles.com. That's Hockey Handles with a Z. At Hockey Handles, their mission is to make customized, high-quality, handcrafted products from broken hockey sticks, which we all know would otherwise be thrown out and fill our landfills. Be environmentally conscious this summer with their three-piece grill sets. Line your grill with one of these Hockey Handles three-piece grill sets to include a fork, tongs, and a spatula. These all-metal surface, non-stick, stainless steel sets will be the talk of your next summer barbecue. Order your customized set today. Go to HockeyHandles.com. That's Hockey Handles with a Z. Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We have episode 67 tonight. The usual suspects sitting in the house. We have our producer, Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our local IT nerd on staff, Robbie P. Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you doing, And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He, too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, we know? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doc. Very special guest sitting in with us tonight. We have Ryan Donato from the Minnesota Wild. Uh, really appreciate you coming on tonight, Ryan. If it was me and I just signed a two-year contract, I'd probably be drunk still. So thanks for taking the time to come on and talk to us. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, just big news this week. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. You signed a two-year deal with uh, the Mini. That's pretty exciting news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, didn't really know what to expect, uh, especially at the end of the season. Just worried about training, and then uh, my agent figured it all out for me and uh, kind of just rolled from there. Nice. Where are you right now, Ryan? Uh, I'm currently in Boston in the seaport in uh, in the city. Nice. Cool. You're working out at Harvard? Uh, I'm actually working out in uh, Foxborough, Mass, uh, at EPS with Brian McDonough. There's a good group of like 30 NHL guys there. Wow. That's a lot of dudes. Who are some of the guys out there? Um, uh, you got both the Hayes, uh, Brian Boyle. Colin White, Noah Hannafin, Kyle Palmieri, uh, Pavel Zaka, Kevin Rooney, um, myself. Not yeah, a big a deal. Lot of, lot of, yeah, there's a, yeah, you got Yandel there too. Uh, you got you got a lot of guys there. No big wow. deal. No big deal. <laughs> so we're back in Boston, and your, your family's in Boston, right? Your dad's a coach at Harvard, so um, spending some time with the folks in the off season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was living in uh, actually at home for most of the summer. I just moved in like to this apartment actually probably like three weeks ago with uh, Matt Grizzly. But um, I uh, was living at home. It's nice to be home in the summer. It's tough being away. Uh, That's my first time actually away from home, and obviously I'll be doing it next year too. But definitely want to try to soak in as much time with the family as I possibly can. Bean Town. Yeah, that's a couple Sox games. You know, Ryan, what, what is it like to play? Well, first of all, what's it like to go to Harvard and play hockey? And what's it like to play for your father as a coach of Harvard? I mean, playing at Harvard was awesome. I mean, I was lucky enough to see, to be able to do the school there, to get into the school there, first of all, and, and to do well enough <laughs> to pass. I didn't do any rocket science uh, classes by any means, but I did do some thousand classes. Um, and, I, and I did schoolwork and it was challenging but i was happy with the way that went and then the hockey in itself was it was amazing i mean uh 
I grew up around the ranks at Harvard and my dad was obviously coached there for a while. So, I mean, I've always, I always wanted to play for Harvard. That was always my dream. And being able to put that sweater on was definitely a, a dream come true. And uh, playing for him, uh, it had ups and downs, but I mean, uh, <laughs> we definitely, we definitely figured it out. We had to make sure that there was boundaries that he was a dad uh, away from the rink and a coach at the rink. And sometimes the coach kind of came out of the rink sometimes and came into the family life, but uh, we made it work and definitely an awesome experience and a blessing to be able to have him there for me. Did he ever chew on your ass? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. No absolutely. There's crazy stories where I just have to, he would snap at me and there's times where like the like father son, like not even like the coach where like it would come out of me, like, or I'd have to like snap back and it just was not good. Like a player would never talk back to their coach, but, when it's your dad, sometimes it's it's tough to kind of wrap your head around it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, right. Ryan, it's got to be tough, though, for him to yell at you too much when you're putting up 40 points in your sophomore season and 43 points, I think it was, in your junior season. Man, that's nasty. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, he found he found reason to yell at me. Don't worry. There was definitely <laughs> other things that... was he, was you... he fair with you or was he hard on you because you were his kid there? I think he was both. I think he was definitely fair, but I mean, he was hard on me at the right moments. I mean, there was times where if he thought I was ever lacking or not playing to my uh, best of my abilities, I mean, he was he was on my case. Uh, I mean, and I, I was thankful for that because it kind of taught me to be a responsible player that, that wants to play good every night. Uh, it kind of made me want to compete. But he's definitely fair, too. It's not like he's uh, looking for reasons to yell at me, but he's definitely uh, good at seeing them, for sure. So he doesn't let much time. Did you finish up your schooling there, or you still have classes to graduate? Uh, I have four more classes to graduate, which I'm taking during the summer to, to hopefully finish up. Get that monkey off nice. your back. Yeah, Boy. yeah exactly. I want to get it done <laughs> as quick as possible. Nice. Well, uh, Ryan, you also had a chance to play in the Olympics um, right after college there, so we've got to talk about that a little bit, your experience. Obviously, you were a highlighted college player um, in those Olympics and one of the, you know, Top goal getters or point getters in, in the in the USA. Lean score, yeah. Lean score. So, how was that experience? Give us a little taste of what what that was like. Uh, I mean, that experience was was amazing. I mean, uh, it's hard to put into words, really. I mean, it, it was. I, I didn't really get that feeling of like until I got there, really, until I actually scored my first goal in the tournament, where I was like, it kind of hit me, like the the patriotism and all that stuff that actually goes into it when you're me and the. Geo and a bunch of guys just came back to the bench and you see like all the flags and stuff waving around the rink and uh, it was a good feeling. I mean that that place is was different obviously for hockey being in South Korea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not really a, a hockey hotbed by any means, but they did a great job with it. I mean that whole experience was was really really cool and I also rooms with Greener and uh, I got to know him a little bit uh, a little bit more than I did. Uh, more than <laughs> Probably more a little bit more than I wanted to. His feet were pretty much touching my bed, but other than that, uh, Ryan, uh, was the air thick over there? And when uh, I say thick, like areas, in certain areas, it was like there was one time where we got off at like a bus stop in the middle of nowhere just to go to the bathroom, and like there was all these like dollar stores and stuff like that, and there was like a either like it, it, the air was like even tasted bad like we got off the bus and like we ran right back in like you had to hold your breath yeah. and go to the bathroom and come back in it was pretty bad uh, yikes yeah yeah i, I was <laughs> but it, curious it, it, i was over on that side and it was pretty foul in some places yeah but when we had gotten to like the, the nice areas like at the village and stuff like that it wasn't bad at all it was actually really nice so that's probably why they put the 
put the games there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Had, exactly. Fans, had fans blowing that shit out of there. <laughs> oh, exactly. It wasn't too nice in other areas, but it was really nice in that in that Olympic Village. So nice. So let's get into um, just talk a little bit about your time. It's uh, it's kind of weird that you were with the Bruins and then they end up going to the Stanley Cup. And if they would have won, that would have been like fuck. I could have been on that team. But um, you know, your transition from Boston to Minnesota was um, something like like a light went off and and you just turned it on and you were really getting on the stat sheet quite a bit when you got to Minnesota. Um, was there any difference or chemistry that you saw um, that you didn't have with some of the guys in Boston that you picked up in Minnesota? No, but I mean, I, I think Boston did a great job. Uh, I mean, they taught me a lot of lessons there, uh, for sure. It's a, I mean, I know it's a business now uh, after being traded and obviously seeing those guys uh, playing in the cup was tough at the beginning, but I mean, some of those guys are, are my best friends, guys that I grew up playing with, so I wish the, the best for them. I, I wanted them to win. I mean, as a kid that's grown up in Boston and was a Bruins fan his whole life and has a couple best friends on the team. Like I, I wanted the best for them. Uh, it's obviously not great how it ended, but it was definitely bitter for a little bit, uh, especially right after. And uh, that kind of fired me, put a fire in my, uh, in my stomach a little <laughs> bit. And I, I wanted to work extra hard to do well. And I think Minnesota had a lot more opportunity than uh, Boston did at the time. And uh, they, they allowed me to play in those uh, certain situations and roles that I, that I wanted to in Boston, but, we had plenty of great guys in Boston that could do the same. So when I got that opportunity in Minnesota, I, I wanted to do the best I could with it, uh, not let it go and take it for granted. And hopefully I, I proved a little bit that I can be put in those situations. So Ryan, we, we've been talking an awful lot the last couple of weeks about team chemistry. And, you know, it, it seems like when you, well, you had a fire under your ass when you left Boston and got to Minnesota. There's no doubt about it. You know, how important is that team chemistry, I guess, is the question. I mean, it's it's enormous. It's enormous. I mean, I was lucky enough to experience in Boston at the beginning just to see guys like Bergeron. And, I mean, the real leaders of the league, uh, not only the team and being with those guys. And then when I got to Minnesota, it was more of the same with, with Suter and, and Parise and a lot of those guys. I mean, those are guys that I idolized as a kid. and They do a great job of, of running the team. And I mean, obviously, I was excited to play with some friends like Kunze and, uh, and Greener. And uh, that was cool as well. But I mean, just playing with guys, Salzy, uh some of the big names that I grew up uh, idolizing. Uh, so it's definitely something I was excited about. And uh, hopefully I'll have some more opportunity to play with them next year. What do you think about the addition of Zook out there? Have you had a chance to meet him yet or anything? Or I haven't had the chance to meet him or talk to him yet. But, I mean, I've seen him play. I've played against him. He's a tremendous player, a uh, guy that uh, can set up a lot of goals and can score a lot of goals. So uh, if I have the opportunity to play with him, that would be spectacular. But at the end of the day, he's going to help the team tremendously. He's going to be a huge addition to the team. Yeah, so the way that Brucey's running the lines out there, you'll probably play with him every other night because he changes the lines like every day. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be that much uh, shuffling going around, but we're yet to see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, we, I watched quite a few games. Um, just I probably watched just about every wild game towards the uh, second half of the season, and you never knew who was going to be playing with who each night going into the game. So, you know, hopefully that chemistry will will figure itself out, and you guys will get some solid lines going. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it will. I think there was obviously when times are tough, and I think there was a time right before I came there that we weren't doing too hot. I think that's the time you have to try other things in combinations because obviously something's not working. I think when we found success, he kind of let it sit, and until we until we started losing again, then he tried something new. And I think he does a great job of it. For sure, no doubt, man. Listen, I think what something like a lot of listeners might want to hear about is like what a typical day 
in the off season is like for you? Like, you know, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, what's a day look like for Ryan Donato? Uh, so I work out. Uh, so I work up at like uh, 8.30, 8 in the morning. I, I work out at 10 a.m. And then I go from there. TB12, which is like a um, – they do pliability and flexibility tissue work. Uh, I get like a massage uh, done, work done on my uh, my hips and my legs and stuff like that for about 45 minutes to an hour. Then I go from there to, to skate for another hour. And I do that uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Friday. And then on Wednesdays, I do uh, extra speed and conditioning. And for that, we'll do uh, running in the morning and conditioning work. And, and then we'll go from there to the pool, actually, to the local Y next to uh, Foxborough uh, Sports Center. We'll do extra conditioning in the pool with uh, a bunch of guys, uh, do some swimming. And Wednesdays and on Saturdays, I box. So usually uh, every day is pretty packed with uh things i really don't get that much free time to do anything and when i do do free have free time i i like to fish or golf or do something like that no Fortnite in there not much room for Fortnite. maybe during the season <laughs> maybe during the season when i can't golf and it's a little there's snow outside or something like that but no Fortnite during the summer no ryan summer. how many calories do you have to take in to work out with that with that schedule that's that's a crazy schedule uh a ton a ton i mean we uh i, I burn up to and in the workout, they have the heart rate monitors up on the on the screen, and I think I burn up to like fifteen hundred calories each workout. How many um, steps so. would you say you take a day? <laughs> no idea. A more lot. than you. More than you. Way more than you. <laughs> a lot. So more than a hundred today. Yeah, exactly. A ton. A ton. So I mean, the calories I, I eat a lot, and and I probably eat a little too much sometimes. So actually, I'm learning the portion control a little bit more this summer, uh, but. I need the fuel, and I probably eat uh, a lot more than the average guy does for sure. So Ryan, well, besides, besides Rob, he's probably eats twice as much. But the uh, the trainer and, and your strength and conditioning coach, do they have you doing anything different from um, what you're used to to either you know bulk up a little bit or you know do different exercises to get to the playing level they want you to be in the NHL, or is it pretty much the same path you've been on? Um, it's different than college. I'll say that. I mean. College was all about bulking and getting bigger. Well, once you're in the NHL, I mean, you obviously you want to get bigger. Uh, there's always room to get stronger and heavy, a little bit heavier, but it's so fast that you can't really get too heavy because it'll slow you down. So for me, I finished the season at like 195, and I think I want to come in uh, like weight-wise, and I want to come in around 200 during the season, maybe two, 203, and, and play at around 200 uh, to 195 again. And to be a little bit more lean and fast and agile. And I think that's different than what I've experienced in the past uh, compared to when I jumped into the NHL. Uh, college was all about beach muscles and getting big and strong and uh, and looking thick and being strong in the shoulders and the legs. And I mean, it's still the case in, in pro, but it's, it's a little bit more about lean and, and making sure you're conditioned and, and, and well, uh, well versatile and pliable and agile for sure. Yeah, we talked about it on the show a couple, you know, a couple of episodes ago. Um, some of the the way the games change in the NHL, it's a lot faster, smaller players. But at the same time, there's still those big guys like uh, you know, Bufflin and these big defensemen out there. Do you take the toll sometimes going in the boards with those guys? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, those guys are <laughs> uh, those guys are beasts. I mean, they're men uh, and they're big men too. I mean, you play yeah. guys against guys like uh, Dustin Bufflin or. or Franco and guys that can just absolutely annihilate you if they wanted to uh, at any point. It's a little scary, and uh, you kind of <laughs> got to set aside. And 
and not worry about that and kind of uh, play without focusing on that too much because they'll have another guy that, that's crazier than you that will, will jump in and try to steal your job and, and do the hard things against those guys too. So you kind of got to uh, put that aside and, and do your job. And I mean, sometimes you got to take a hit from Big Buff or, or Frank or Char for that matter. Uh, but, I mean, you just got to worry about yourself and, and not worry about what could happen. Hit the ice bath. So what was it? I didn't talk to you about it before, but you know, you, you're from Boston. Um, you went to Harvard. What was it like to put that Bruins jersey on for the first time and, and to skate in to the um, to the rink for the first time? First game, Jesus. What was that experience yeah, like? I mean, you know, being a Bruin and being a Boston guy your whole life. I mean, it was it was a crazy, crazy experience. I mean, I went from playing uh, in the ECAC semifinals two days later, playing in the NHL at home, and I mean, I think I might have had. Yeah. 60 or 70 people at the game. I mean, I had every single one of my friends and family growing up and, um, I mean, playing, putting on that jersey. I mean, it, it was a crazy, it was a whirlwind experience. I mean, like, it was, a, I blacked out pretty much all of it uh, during the game. Like, uh, my heart rate was going so fast. I think, like, my first shift, I felt like I was out there for five minutes. I might have been out there for 15 <laughs> seconds. seconds. Yeah. So fast, I was just trying to shoot everything at the net. And, Maybe that's where I got my shoot first mentality from, but I was just trying to get everything on net because I wanted to score my first game. Because if I didn't play again, or they were like, "Okay, you got your first game, you can rest up in school. We'll see you next season. Uh, get ready for training camp." So I wanted to make sure I made my mark and at least scored a goal. And I was lucky enough to score a goal and get a couple of assists. So they wanted to keep me around, and I mean that experience was awesome for sure. It's interesting you know, putting the pucks to the net like that. You know, you got the green light from. Uh, Paul Fenton to shoot, right? So, I mean, what kind of confidence does that give you when your general manager says, you know, shoot away, son, shoot away? <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. It's definitely great uh, to have that vote of confidence. I mean, you can just not be afraid to be a shoot-first mentality on, in any situation. I mean, I, I think there's plenty of situations, obviously, you got to look to pass, especially when you're playing with other really, really good players that like to score and have the puck on their stick. But uh, it's hard to find guys that, uh, want to shoot pucks uh, more than they want to pass it sometimes. So for me, I just whenever I'm in a shooting position, uh, it gets the more chances I, the more times I shoot it, I guess I, I always think the more chances I have to put a puck in the net. So I mean that makes sense, right? So I would always, I'd always try to shoot as much as I can to give myself a, a better chance of uh, scoring a goal, hopefully. Yeah, I think that's the old Gretzky mentality there, right? But I, I spoke about yeah, confidence uh, there. So you know how big is that? Is I mean confidence is everything when you get to that level, right? So I mean, if you don't have the confidence, it's hard. It's hard to perform. Um, did you feel when you got to mini, you know, getting the green light to shoot? You know, how how much did the confidence factor come into play? I mean, confidence. Confidence is everything. I mean, uh, I mean, just even getting an assist or a point in a game, or getting a couple shots on that can really carry momentum for you. And I really do think it's all about getting hot uh, in certain areas. I mean, you can see in the NHL playoffs. I mean, any team. That makes the playoffs nowadays in the NHL uh, can win the win the cup. It doesn't matter uh, who's on the team. If there's guys that are hot, they're hot. And, I mean, that's going to carry you through. So, I mean, for me, uh, being in those situations, uh, uh, I got a lot of opportunity in Minnesota. And uh, once you get that that flame going, or you, you feel good, uh, uh, it, it's hard to put it out. I mean, it's the same the other way around. As soon as you get those negative thoughts in your head, or you, you feel a lack of confidence, and you feel like you're not playing to your the best of your abilities that can really uh, be heavy on you. Uh, and I think the NHL, unlike college, it's been a emotional roller coaster. I mean, you feel one game like you're the worst player in the world, and then the next game you play 
and you might have a goal or two assists or something like that, and you feel like, oh, I'm not too bad, and then uh, it goes the whole season. So, I mean, it really is an emotional roller coaster, and you kind of got to put that aside and just uh, play hockey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, at, once you're at that level, I mean, like you're analyzing yourself probably a hell of a lot more than you were when you were in college. You know, every every stride you take, every shot you take, you're maybe second-guessing yourself at first, but eventually that slows down, I'm sure. But talk about a little bit how, uh, you know, your outlook for this season with Minnesota. Um, what are your expectations? What are your, uh, what are your goals for this year? And uh, what do you think about the lineup you guys have about making a deep run this year? I mean, uh, I come in with the mentality of uh, winning the cup. I mean, that's that's what every guy's mentality should be. Uh, I mean, that's the first thing that every guy should be thinking about coming into the uh, uh, start the season, and then think about individual goals. I, I think about uh, wanting to be a guy that that creates uh, offense every single night uh, and brings it every single night, and, and not only can be a player that's uh, a shoot first mentality guy, but also a uh, a guy that that's um, creating offense in all situations and also can play defense or penalty kill and be on the power play and, and be a versatile player. And I think that's my goal is being a guy that can be trusted and also a guy that puts up a lot of points. Nice. You have a couple of key signings of their goalies both coming back. So that's huge for you guys. Um, Doobs. Doobs and Stalock. That's good stuff. Plus injuries. You know, last year you had a lot of injuries towards the end of the season, you know, Gumba and Koivu and, you know, so hopefully all those guys are getting healthy and should be good for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we have. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we have plenty of guys that uh, we were excited to have back. Obviously, Dumba is a huge one. Koivu, uh obviously is a big leader as well. And uh, I mean, having guys around like that is going to be tremendous. Uh, I mean, I can't wait for the season to start. Really, I think it's going to be a completely different team uh, than than what we had last year for sure. Nice. Well, boys, anybody else got a question for Ryan Donato? Yeah, just uh, one off the uh, topic, you know, with the new contract, Ryan, are you going to get anything big, anything you have that you feel you want to buy, like gold teeth or a big gold chain or diamond earring? Yeah, I mean, uh, not that I know of yet. We'll see. I mean, I already have a car. I mean, I think my, uh, my, dad, my dad was shoving me towards uh, looking at it, getting a small boat maybe for him and my family or down in Situate, Mass. That's where we're from. It's like a little fishing town so maybe getting a little small boat or something like that i don't want to do anything too crazy yet uh but maybe when i when i start playing the season i actually start making the money then then i can start spending some jordan told me to advise you with some of that money to get golf lessons he said you're brutal <laughs> oh my god well I'll tell him tell him i'll spend some of the money to help him fix his teeth too <laughs> <laughs> you know your teeth knocked out warm-ups Ryan, I'm yeah, curious, I'm not get away with that. I'm curious what, you, uh, what your thoughts are on all the off-season trades. I mean, to me, it was just crazy to see how, you know, I think all the teams leveled out and just got better. Um, I'm curious to, to hear what your take is. I mean, I just think there's so many good guys in this league now that, I mean, I think any every, any given year there's a new guy that comes out and uh, is going to be a guy that scores 25 to 30 goals. Uh, so there's so many trades with all these young guys, a mixture of older guys, and I think what we're seeing for teams like Boston and St. Louis is is the right mixture of uh, guys that have been around the veterans and, and young guys that are coming into the league and figuring it out. And I think once you have a good balance of speed and uh, a veteran uh, presence, I think that's what makes a good team. So I think that's what 
everybody's trying to do is trying to get a little faster, trying to get a little younger, but also trying to make, make sure they have some veterans around. And, uh, I mean, all the teams, I mean, even the central division and, uh, especially, I mean, there, there's so many good teams now. Uh, I mean, it just makes for an interesting season. Speaking of veterans, I hear Koi who's, uh, skating with you guys or skating. You think he's going to make it back in the, into a uniform this year? I would love, I would love for him to. I mean, I'm not too sure. I haven't been skating with them. Uh, I'm in Boston again, so I mean, he might be in Minnesota, but he, uh, if he is, good for him. I mean, he was. In, when I saw him last. He looked like he was uh, recovering well. Uh, I mean, I hope, oh, I hope for the best for him. I would love to see him in training camp and for the season. How big is it for Dumba back in the lineup? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I, I haven't had the chance to play with him or against him, but I mean, I've watched a lot of his highlights. Uh, being a hockey hockey junkie you could say and yeah. I mean I know he's a tremendous player uh so I mean being able to have him on the team he's going to help obviously a lot with the power play and uh in all situations creating offense so I mean he's going to provide a big spark for us for sure Ryan would you since you're in Foxborough I'm a huge Chiefs fan would you mind if you see Tom <laughs> if you see Tom Brady would you just like fall on his ankle or something <laughs> no I'm a Pats fan I'm a Pats oh. fan I can't be doing that oh, okay all right. Tom Brady would still play with a broken ankle, I think. And he's, he's still yeah, the Chiefs, he's still, though, too. He's still right, deflating football. Right? Mm. Still deflating football. So here we go. Well, it's good to uh, it's good to get you on the show, Ryan. Really appreciate you coming on and taking the time for the Blue Liners. It's been, uh, it's been a great talk, and it's always good to talk to different guys from different teams and get a little perspective on what they're doing in the offseason. And uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. We wish you the best of luck this year out in Mini. You know, great to have you sign a two-year deal out there. A lot of us are watching um, a lot of the wild games being in the same town as Jordan Greenway. So we'll be watching a lot of your games next year, and uh, we wish you the best of luck and appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, pleasure being on here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, man. Good luck, Ryan. Good luck, Ryan. Right, thanks, guys. Yep. Bye. The Rocket Grips interview of tonight, Ryan Donato for the Minnesota Wild. A great interview. Um, We've been watching him from a while, for a while now, um, and if we caught a couple of his at Harvard games. But once he hit the Olympics, I think most of us watched all those games, and uh, obviously we saw him play quite a bit this year in the NHL. And a rising star of some of these young bucks that came up through the, you know, these United States players that have just really turned it on and, and been able to come into the NHL and produce right away. So he's one of these young stars for the for the United States to have playing in the NHL. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of these guys coming in young and producing, and he's going to be a great player for Minnesota this year. Yeah, exciting yeah, player. I'm, Very I'm much excited. look forward to watching him. Yeah, Huge. It's going to be huge. You know, and when he came over, you know, he evolved into that scoring forward, you know, you know that whole Charlie Coyle trade. So Minnesota got him for Charlie Coyle for the people that, didn't, you know, don't know. And he actually increased his playing time by three minutes coming from Boston to Minnesota, you know, he just knocked 16 points um, in 22 games for Minnesota, which uh, helped them actually propel them into uh, contend for playoffs, stay up there in the race, but uh, eventually they didn't make it. But, yeah, he's going to involve, you know, come into a, you know, top six forward for the, uh, I think personally, he'll be on the top. They'll put him in the top two lines easily for Minnesota this year. Yeah, um, that, trade, was, that, that trade worked out for both teams, though. Huh, Pat? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. both players, both players did great with a different setting, you know. So, yeah, Coyle had a hell of a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, he had some nice points. 
I mean, that whole lot. What well, was he on the third or fourth line for Boston? They produced, man. They, third they, line. Uh, they third line. Yeah, they're they were a few games there in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're the only line that was producing, because you know, actually, the that top line in the NHL with uh, Bergeron and Marchand and Pasternak. They uh, some games they were shut right down. They were quiet. So the perfection line, they call them. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Gennano, uh, like you guys, you know, Rob touched on it and you did, Mark, that uh, Paul Fenton, the GM of Minnesota, gave him the green light. And I think Mark's touched on it a few times in, you know, earlier podcasts that, you know, he's like Tarasenko of the St. Louis Blues. You know, when he gets that chance, if he can, you know, cock that stick a little bit and fire that puck, I mean, it's it's getting fired on the net and it's not an easy little floater shot. He's got a, he's got a hell of a shot. Heavy shot yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a friggin' bullet And you know, you know, in the NHL, you know, if you if you're a GM, you know, picture yourself in a GM shoes, and you get a player that steps over that blue line. Do you want that player that you know takes that hard shot on the net, or do you want the guy that stops and tries to you know get that cute pass? And Ryan's that kid that gets over the line, and if he doesn't see anything, he's fucking chucking that puck at the net and. Majority of the times, it's a scoring chance, if not a nice rebound. What's that Gretzky uh, quote anyway? Never scored any of the goals. Hundred shots. Hundred percent of the shots you don't take don't don't hit the net. Hundred percent of the shots that don't hit the net don't go in. Don't go in. There we go. But anyways, yeah, that shoot first mentality. I I like it, you know, because there's a lot of times where you'll see somebody come in and try to get too cute, or you know, try to toe drag somebody and just fire that puck at the net create the opportunities, make the rebounds come out in front for the trailers. And, you know, those are the times where you're going to get some ugly goals if it doesn't go in on the first shot. There's, you know, and yeah, that, I'm just saying there's nothing that pisses me off more than watching an NHL game where they can't generate offense. It's a no-brainer. You cross the blue line, you don't have a move, put it on the net, you go hard to the net, you crash the net, and good things happen when you're putting pucks on the net. If you're not shooting, you're just not going to generate a shot or a goal. It's it's that simple. So it frustrates the shit out of me when I see players, you know, <laughs> not putting pucks on the net in the professional hockey league. Come on. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, as a, as a GM, though, I think the reason why, you know, I think when, when a GM goes to a young guy like Ryan Donato and says, man, let, let loose, Should fire the puck, what they're doing is they're trying to get the young guy. This is a guy who's proven himself through every level of hockey that he's played at, that he's a goal scorer, right? So what what I think what Fenton is doing or what any other GM is doing at that point is they're going to the player and they're saying, quit thinking so much, you know what I mean? Quit thinking so much, let the game slow down a little bit and start firing the puck, do what you do best. And, uh, you know, that's that, I think that's really the goal. I mean, it's not so much like the GM saying, you know, I have a ton of confidence in you or something like that. He's just saying, listen, man, we know we all know what you're capable of. Let's get back to the basics here. Fire the puck, score goals like you're used to. So I think that's kind of the goal of a GM at that point when they're talking like that. Yeah, let's face it. These young guys coming in the league, they've got to be a little bit trigger shy, especially in their first sure. you know, first go at it when they're, you know, put on the stage with these players they've been watching in the NHL for years, and now they're saying, "Oh man, maybe I shouldn't shoot. Maybe I should give it to Zucker. Maybe I should give it to Parise." You know, these are the all stars on this team, right? But you know, that is a big confidence booster to say, "Hey, shoot it!" and you know, if it's not really him trying to give him the confidence, then he shoots a couple of times, gets a couple of goals, maybe gets an assist off a rebound. 
then he's got the confidence saying, hey, I had a goal last night. You know, I'm doing well. You know, I'm feeling good about myself. And a lot of that shit, man, when they get up to this level, I mean, it's a, it's a business and it's a it's a job. And there's it's stressful as fuck if you're not scoring because, you know, you got a contract coming up in the next year like he had this year. And um, if you're not producing, you know, are you getting bounced? Are you not getting uh, a look? Are you going back to the HL? So that confidence is huge. I can't imagine the mental leap that it is to, like, go from playing college hockey to the next step, like, you're in a locker room with, like, guys that you've been watching and looking up to for, you know, for years. Like, you're staring at them in the face, and then the next thing you know, you're skating on the ice with them, and you're, like, obviously you're second-guessing, like, every move you make because you're, like, I mean, the the world that you're in now is, like, almost, like, mind-blowing. You know what I mean? You're like, holy shit, where the hell am I all it's, of a sudden? But, it's got to be a lot, and these kids are young. So, you know, yeah. hats off for these kids to be – I mean, look, not one of us, I think, were mature enough at 23 to even be able to consider these types of options they have. These kids are <laughs> on top of it. They're smart as shit. They are, you know, proven in school, and then when they get to the NHL, they, they just – they've got their shit straight where – you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it just was not the case at all. If they, if they gave you a million dollars at 23, you'd be all right? <laughs> well, you'd blow the million bucks and it'd be gone. Oh, uh, doctor. Yeah, I, I think GMs and owners know that, you know, players in their first maybe two years, first, second year, you know, that confidence isn't there, like Derek said. I mean, could you imagine, you know, Donato, Greenway, or uh, Coonan going into the wild locker room and, you know, there's Stalzi over there, there's Zach Parisi, there's, you know, Koivu, there's, I mean, all these top players. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit to get that confidence. And I think that second or third year, and, you know, the NHL might have it right at the, you know, your entry levels three years. And then, you know, after those three years of you getting some confidence and getting up to speed and, you know, because some of these rookies go back and forth, you know, to the AHL, to the NHL, um, they just need to, uh, I don't know if mature or just get that confidence. It's confidence. And then after three years, that's um, that's where they sign them. So it's both, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's both. You know, you got, they got everybody, I mean, you're talking about young kids. I mean, when we were 20. 20, 21, 22, 23. I mean, we're a bunch of fucking bumbling idiots. I mean, so I can't, you know, it's like these guys are stepping in. These guys are stepping into a, you know, professional locker room. So, I mean, I can't even imagine the the leap that it is. Like I said earlier, it's just, you know, combined with, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Pat. I mean, it's like, I mean, but going, I mean, you're going into a place where, you know, there's established players and like, you're this young buck. Yeah, you're really good, but like, so it's got to be so intimidating. I can't even I can't even imagine. But I mean, Jordan, you talk to Jordan all the time. We talk to Jordan. I'm sure he can attest to it. But the intimidation factor has also got to be huge. Well, and, and, you know, the way Ryan tonight was talking about uh, um, his offseason, how he's explaining that. And then the whole time he's explaining that, I was thinking about the Theo Fleury podcast where he said, fuck, we didn't work out. I don't I think. We went to training camp to get in shape for the season. <laughs> so they, they, I didn't do a goddamn thing over the summer. I went to training camp to get in shape for the season. These guys are getting in shape training camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like us. We we pregame harder than you fucking drink at the bar. That's us bumbling idiots. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, th just to talk about that entry level thing real quick, because obviously Ryan just got off his first year that uh, McAvoy's about to sign his another uh, friend of the show. But I think that protects the owners a lot too. So I mean, that's probably part of it where, you know, you get a guy that comes in as a high draft pick, he's a bust, you don't, you're not locked into a big contract with that guy, which in other sports, you know, right out of the draft, they sign big contracts. And, you know, some of these NFL quarterbacks have been huge busts. You know, so it does protect the I owner know. a little bit. You know, the GMs don't have to make huge decisions on some of the young guys. You know, so that's probably good for everybody. Uh, it does suck for the guy that produces like crazy the first three years of his career, you know, and gets paid league minimum. But what do you mean? It's only 975000 well, average, about seven. Anything, right? So he's a rookie goalie and he won the fucking Stanley Cup and he's only making 900 something, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid. I mean, Jack Eichel, all these guys are getting paid huge now. But obviously they were producing for their teams for the first three years and, and still got paid the same as the guy that was going up and down. So tough call. You guys want – we have uh, some hockey news that we want to get into a little bit here. I'm not too sure. There wasn't too much going on this this week really, but I'll touch on a couple of things. There's not too much going on right now. Uh, it's calmed down since the last two weeks. I think we said at last podcast that things were going so fast that we couldn't keep up with it. I felt like uh, I was trying to learn friggin' Latin. There was so much stuff going on. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Not too much going on. You know, Matt Duchesne signed with uh, the Predators. That was big. Um, that's something that's kind of old news, but... Um, still there. Canadians picked up some uh, uh, new guys, uh, and uh, the Avalanche signed some uh, new forwards there. But that's about it. One thing I wanted to get into uh, tonight was um, just talking about, you know, some of the key uh, um, organizations that uh, got to step it up this year. Uh, you know, the last two, three years, they've been on the hot seat. You know, such as Toronto, you know, their honeymoon is over. They're going on three years now where they've been putting together this team. And, uh, you know, they get punched out in the first round. Um, you know, come on. Another one is the uh, Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, that poor kid. He's out there. They've changed, you know, numerous GMs, numerous coaches, you know, added some key players, but just can't do anything. Um, then you got Tampa Bay got knocked out in the first round. You know, the Empire's crumbling in Pittsburgh. Columbus lost their two key figures. So I just wanted, you know, kind of touch on some of those stories and going forward here with the season. What do you guys think about it? Well, I think with, uh, you know, like with, yeah, like with Toronto and the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, you have two like big, big, big name coaches, right? Tampa Bay won the President's Cup last year, right? And then they go in, they shit the bed in the playoffs, right? You got you got Babcock in Toronto. You know he's you know he's got a he's got a pedigree that's huge, but he's got a lineup too that the average Joe looks at that lineup that he's got and they think, I mean, if you can't win with this with this group, I mean, yeah, on paper, you know what the hell are you doing? You know, on paper. So both those guys, I mean, even though like they have like a big name and they're you know they're you know known as and they've had a pretty good track record. I think kind of like they say, the honeymoon might be over for both those guys. Like they got to produce this year, yeah. both of them, or else, you know, it might be, you might be looking at both those, you know, let's say, let's say both those teams next year, 
I don't I don't think this will happen, but let's say both those teams don't make the playoffs. I mean, you're probably looking at both those coaches being fired in both both cities. So they'd have to. They'd have to. Well, for me, I'm saying Toronto, uh, not Toronto, but Tampa Bay is the the biggest fail of the season last year. <clears throat> for them to be, you know, so good, have that much talent, and to get bounced in the first round is crushing. And you know, that's a huge problem. I know they're they're getting rid of. Uh, well, Iserman is phased out. This is now, you know, uh, I forget what his name is um, that took over there, but this is now his team. Uh, Iserman is off to Detroit. So Julian Brisbois. Brisbois, thank you. I knew it was a French name, but I wanted to say Paul Maurice. Um, and anyways, for, for me, Tampa Bay is the, you know, the, the flashing light. You have all of the pieces and you lost in the first round. Someone better fucking answer that this year. And they have cap uh, issues down there. They still haven't signed Braden Point. I know we were talking about Taylor, Tyler Hall down in uh, New Jersey. Well, uh, you know, Tampa's got a, a, a big player, too, they haven't signed yet. So that's huge, too. But um, just saying that, I think the Lightning suffered one of the biggest upsets in the history of the NHL. I mean, like you were saying, Rob, no they were killing it. They, they, had those, they were so ahead of other teams in the league points-wise, that going into playoffs, everyone picked them. I mean, our playoff brackets was worse than my March Madness brackets. I mean, and there was, you know, less teams. How many people are in the March Madness bracket? 150? I think I did better in that than I did in the team. Tampa fucked everybody this year on that. I mean, nobody really saw that coming. I mean, uh, I think maybe a couple people <clears throat> actually picked the Blues or something, but Look, nobody saw Tampa being pushed out in the first round. Well, I think, I think, yeah. like in any sport, in any sport, like where you kind of coast into the playoffs, it's always like a bad thing. It seems like you know, like I, I, whenever you're like you know not kind of fighting your way until the end, it seems like those teams, unless you're the New England Patriots, is in you know, it just seems like you kind of that's like a they got their very double edged sword. Look, yeah, I mean, we, it's like you really double edged sword. This, we talked about this all last year all last year, and it was that theme of ramping up. It's the team that is hitting on all cylinders coming into playoffs. I mean, St. Louis was the worst to first. Carolina. So. Carolina, yeah. Carolina was hot, you know. Those are the teams that made big runs, you know. So They had like, the battle to get know. in, which means, you know, they were already firing once they made it in, and then the momentum was with them. Like you said, Tampa, yeah. Tampa was definitely at a, a disadvantage by being so far out. It's, it's the same thing with Boston, right? I, at least, in, you know, in my mind. Um, you know, Boston, I don't think, should have lost the Stanley Cup. But St. Louis had all the momentum going in. I mean, they, they got their ass kicked by Boston. They come back and they win the next night. And I was expecting Boston to take a... You know, a few games there in a row, but they they responded. Um, went back to back games. Went back to back. Yeah, but with you know, with those topics that we just touched on, I think the biggest one is Toronto. Toronto has to do something like there, et cetera. Else, Babcock's out of there. You can't you can't put a team together like that, assemble a team like that, and then get kicked out in the first round. That's just fucking awful. And then, you know, my my two other teams that I think need to do something this upcoming year 
are, I mean, they need just need to friggin' burn it down and start over is, you know, obviously Connor McDavid. I don't know why I always go back to Connor McDavid, maybe just because he floats on the ice. He's just unbelievable. And for him to go keep going each season and season and just not make playoffs or do anything kind of makes me upset a little bit just because he, he might be one of the, he might be the best player in the NHL right now. That's a, a fair argument. And the other one is the uh, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins are just crumbling just because since, you know, the last 10, 10 years, we can say it might be a little bit longer than that, that the Pittsburgh Penguins were in the playoffs every single year. And I'm not a Pittsburgh fan, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins fan. I could care less, but what's happening there? I know they just traded uh, Phil Castle to Arizona, but they still have that same core. It might be just age catching up on them, but what the hell's going on? It's almost, to me, it's almost like the same as the Steelers, right? They might be have the same friggin' thing. They got Ben Roethlisberger at a quarterback. They got all those old, old guys. I know they got rid of the uh, wide receiver, tight end, whatever, but, uh, but anyways, those are my three. I think, if, if anything, the biggest story, the bit, the people that ha- are sitting on the hot seat the most or Toronto, Edmonton, and then what is what's going on in Pittsburgh? I mean, you had you had it everything. You won back to back Stanley Cups. To me, Toronto Toronto is definitely up there as well. But I, I I think I would explain it a little bit differently. Toronto is obviously in Canada. Canada takes hockey very seriously. So just having that dynamic in Toronto puts Mike Bad, Babcock and, and the Maple Leafs. On the hot seat, period. I mean, that those fans have been waiting yeah. for a Stanley Cup for Century. a long like time. Yep, yep. So, you know, there's just extra pressure in Edmonton and in Toronto. It's not going to be in, in Tampa Bay. It's just a little bit different. They have different, um, I don't know. They, they have it's they, different. They have, it's different. They have way too much talent. That's the bottom line. Yeah. It's just a well, shame, too. Like, when you have a guy like Connor McDavid, I mean, it's such a shame to, like, not be able to put the pieces around him that he needs to succeed. Like, I mean, it can't be, know. you know, it can't be that fucking hard. You know what I mean? Like, the guy is so ultra-talented. Like, if you're a G, I mean, come on. I mean, I feel like the four of us could go be a GM up there and find guys to put around these guys. go out to a local bar and get, like, the top fans of Edmonton, they might be able get to like do better. Get like a top beer league, get like a top beer league guys to fucking go out there and, you know, play wing with them or something, you know, like, for God's sake, I mean, that's such a shame, though, to, to waste a talent like that, you know, like you say, he's kind of like up here in Edmonton, like floating around, like friggin', hello guys, I'm lighting up the scoreboard every freaking week, can you put somebody around me and like a goalie in the back end to like stop something once in a while so I can win some games, but. I agree with you. I mean, it, it's such a shame to see that. And Pittsburgh, I think what you're seeing there is kind of, uh, you know, it's like the hangover. They've kind of, they've got, it's kind of run its course. It's just the end of an era. Um, you know, it is. It's the end of an era. You know, it's like, it's, it's perfectly sad. You know, it's like they got to start, like, they got to kind of, you know, not like change it wholesale, but they got to kind of start, you know, keeping a couple of those veterans and like bringing some, they got to get some young guys back into that system and kind of revamp things there a little bit. But, all good points, Pat. All good things that are, you know. You, guys, you think Malkin or Crosby will ever have a different uniform on? Yeah, I'm sure they will, actually. I don't know about Crosby. I'm sure. I bet you'll see Malkin play with another team someday. 
It's like the New York Giants keeping Eli Manning and not drafting a quarterback this year. Just retarded. But uh, just to touch on um, something a little bit different that I see in the league, three teams that I haven't seen do much of the trade deadline, maybe because they don't have much to trade with, but Detroit, Los Angeles, and Ottawa. Um, New Jersey's in in that bottom four as well, but they've made tons of moves, um, especially with their first-round draft pick as well. But – the Ottawa, I mean, they're just like AHL team right now. Detroit was finished up fourth and fourth from last in the in the league, um, but they have some superstars on that team. Like, you know, we got Dylan Larkin, one you know, great player. Um, Jimmy Howard is still playing well in the Nets. You know, Applegator. You know, they've got some some talented players on that lineup, but they haven't been able to win. Um, you know, we, we see Wade Megan get bounced up in there. Um, I don't know what's next in Detroit. Obviously, Detroit being one of the original six, like we talk about a hockey town, they don't get much bigger than Detroit. They just built a new arena out there. Little Caesars Arena is ridiculous. Um, yeah. put a, you know, just, it's time for that team to make some changes or figure out how to win with what they have. But I haven't seen too much come across a trade sheet for them. Uh, Los Angeles, obviously one of the biggest cities in the country, right? Huge market. I haven't seen much going on in Los Angeles. Uh, and it just for those three teams finishing in the, in the bottom of the barrel with New Jersey, um, but we exclude them from this. I just I think they need to figure out some moves or you know bring somebody in. If I if you don't mind me jumping on here, you know Detroit did just pick up Steve Eiserman. You know he's the new GM there, so he's making moves. He just he's trying to put a team together. So I'll give him. I don't know, a year or two, right, to, to really bring in some guys. I'll, I'll give him space there. But, Mark, you brought up um, New Jersey and Taylor Hall. He's another one that, you know, has been nine seasons without making it into the playoff. So, you know, yeah. I'm going to be watching Jersey with all the moves, Ray Shiro. You know, let's see, you know, they made some moves. Um, so I'll be watching them to see – I think that, you know, New Jersey is going to be someone to watch. I'm not going to say they're going to win the cup, but I do think that they're going to be competitors. But they did make some moves. You know, they got the, the first-round pick. They got P.K. Subban. They got Wayne Simmons. You know, they've, they've been on that, that sheet getting some new players. I just – what I'm saying is that the other four at the bottom of the barrel, what if they – Buffalo is right above them. You know, Ottawa. What's Ottawa doing? You know, like at the end of the year, they traded everybody away. You know, they lost Mark Stone, and obviously they lost uh, Eric Carlson before that, and um, a couple other Hoffman went to I think Carolina or something like that. But they they have a very very young team, and you look at Brady Kachuk being a leader there, and the kid's like what twenty? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, they haven't done too much. Lost right now. They're a lost team. Best defenseman's like twenty two. The big thing in Ottawa is you know you know most people that don't know the Ottawa Senators. Their arena is pretty far west of Ottawa. It's, it's out in the west side of Ottawa in Canada. And there was talk a while ago that the city of Ottawa had this uh, land downtown Ottawa, and they planned on building the arena down there, which would be huge because now they're getting uh, – um, they have a bus line. Uh, I think they are talking about getting, like uh, – Maybe above ground or a train, anyways, above ground or below ground, doesn't matter, a train. Um, but that would help drive people to the arena, um, you know, because people that live on the west side of Ottawa, I mean, 
to get to Canada literally takes an hour. And if you want to go enjoy a game and have a couple beers, it's not really enjoyable. And the traffic is awful, too. It's only a two-lane highway there, the 401. So, so the talk was that they were going to put that arena downtown. And something happened. Some, something got uh, wishy-washy there between the uh, senators and the, the city of Ottawa. So it's not happening. Ottawa now is saying, you know, it's going to be fine. We're going to keep the team in Canada and all this other stuff. And uh, a lot of the uh, citizens of Ottawa are like, fuck, man, this is awful. We were, they were all planning to have a new arena downtown. And, you know, all parts of the city were, would be able to get there easily is the key word, easily. And now it's uh, not going to happen. So, yeah, I don't know, Mark. To come out of the stadium into the city, right? That's what they wanted. Yeah. And now that's well, then that's that's the NHL. That's majority of the NHL arenas. I can well, say here in Carolina, it's not like that. But uh, I mean, we have four lane highways here, so um, not two. So it's a kind of the same scenario that happened in New Jersey, where um, I actually played at the Continental Arena when I played uh, for the New Jersey storm down there and that arena is right next to giant stadium so if you've ever been out to giant stadium it's in the middle of nowhere in east east rutherford and it's a pain in the ass to get to and the devils couldn't get fans there so what they did was they moved their stadium into um newark which is easily to, you can get there by train like people in jersey can get there a lot easier people from the city can get there easy and that's worked out well for them and they have a beautiful arena there now and i think the same thing happened with uh the Islanders, but I think the Islanders are thinking about going back out to the island. So, I mean, there's been some similar scenarios in the NHL where they've moved their rinks to get more fans and, you know, it worked out in those two scenarios, um, except for I think I think the Long Island people want the, the Islanders back on the island. Yeah. When I was at Austria, we used to go to the Islanders game and there was nobody. Nobody. Yeah. It was, <laughs> there's a shithole. It was. The Coliseum was a shithole, too. I used to play there too. It's a shithole. But um, just to touch on the the Los Angeles Kings, I mean, they thought they were going to bring in some good players last year, and um, what's his and name? Yeah, Kovalchuk. Kovalchuk. Kovalchuk came in, didn't do too much from the KHL. Yeah, um, yeah. What's what's next there? And, and I mean, that's a huge market, right? The LA market, obviously, one of the biggest cities to to market the NHL. It just seems like they. 31 wins last year, negative um, 61 goal differential for them. Struggled big yeah. time. I'll, uh, I'm going to go back to Detroit here. I've been, you know, just checking this out. You know, Steve Eiserman is a huge name. You know, he, the first thing he did was take Pat Verbeek from Tampa Bay. So, you know, Pat Verbeek is the head, was the head scout. He's the one that brought in uh, in Tampa now. So, Eiserman and Pat Verbeek are now linking up with Detroit Red Wings and doing that for Detroit. So I've got a hunch that Steve Eiserman is going to turn around Detroit. I'll be watching that. For sure. Hey, he turned around Tampa, so I mean. That's what I mean. I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Well, we got to do a quick endorsement for Hockey Handles. Pat, you want to get into that quickly? Yeah, HockeyHandles.com. They make uh, barbecue utensils you know they got the spatula the tong to tong tong tongs and the uh, poker um they actually make uh golf club cleaners but they have a uh 
hockey stick on the end of it. Uh, hockey handles actually gave uh, the guys here at uh, Blue Line Hockey Club um, a set. So uh, I've been grilling with them. They're pretty cool, sticky grips. Uh, uh, pretty cool at the grill if you're a hockey fan to have um, hockey utensils at the uh, grill. The chicks love it. They've been the, all over me. The one thing <laughs> I really like about hockey handles is that they take your broken sticks and then make those hot, those handles out of them. It's awesome. You send your stick in, you get 20% off, and you get really cool barbecuing gear. Awesome. Yeah, they're pretty And they got little, yep, hockeyhandles.com. They got uh, hockey laces so you can hang them up on your grill. Um, great products. Check them out. All right, boys, another great podcast. Ryan Donato coming on tonight. Uh, great guest. Uh, another blue line guy for us to fill us in on what's going on in Minnesota and his summer training workouts and uh, can't wait, can't wait for the hockey season to start. I don't know, I've been like trying to search around on TV to figure out what the hell I'm going to watch and I keep going to back to baseball so I will definitely be ready for preseason hockey for yes. sure. Nice episode tonight boys. Until next time keep your stick on the ice. Yeah. Oh doctor Ah, but morally, Florida. Get up. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>